Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 279 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a grand conversation with one of our regular contributors, our resident philosopher, farmer, and winemaker out of Stockbridge, Vermont, Almighty Todd. And we talk with the Almighty about Lake Champlain, about independence, humility, nirvana, and a few other related subject areas. A really enjoyable conversation for me, at least, and I think it will be for you, too. Today, with Almighty Todd. We also have an EW essay titled Half Pepperoni and the Other Half Mushroom. We have an excerpt from Democracy in America by Alexei de Tocqueville regarding tyranny. And we have a poem titled Sweet Tiger Eyes. And all of this, of course, as is always the case, will be infused with the energy of several great tunes. Let's get to it. Episode 279 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours. It's not the pale moon that excites me That thrills and delights me Oh no It's just the nearness of you It isn't your sweet Conversation that brings this sensation. Oh no, it's just the nearness of you. When I'm in your arms and I feel so close to me All my wildest dreams come true I need no soft lights to enchant me If you Grant me the right to hold you ever so tight and to feel in the night the nearness of you.
half mushroom, the other half pepperoni. As I sit in a place called Mountain View Village at my fiancé's house, in the garage with three of my children, among stuff we don't want or need, available for purchase as part of a neighborhood-organized garage sale, I notice that we are basically bouncing around from house to house buying each other's stuff. It is a way of community building and connection, I suppose, through trade and economic exchange. What a privileged place in which we exist. My children, my beautiful lover and friend, together in these streets and mountainscape valley peaks, crafted by wild marauding streams and creeks. And we would be happy to open it up and share it with so many more, ideally. But too, we are compelled by the fear of infiltration, proud of the position we have attained, the primeval in us driven to maintain it from competitors and ne'er-do-wells. Yesterday, I went to pick up two trays of pizza, one plain, one half mushroom, the other half pepperoni, and the man sweating through his clothes inside the pizzeria was wearing a red baseball cap with the words, Make America Great Again, inscribed above its bill. I wanted to disagree and tell him in many ways we are indeed great, but I didn't want to make him even less comfortable given the heat he was enduring. Also, I wanted my food without any ramifications or unrequested added ingredients. Ain't that America for you and me?
Almighty Todd, is that you? E.W. Conundrum. How are you, sir? Thank you, you once again for being on the program. Our regular, regular excuse me, contributor and resident philosopher, farmer and winemaker out of Stockbridge, Vermont. Almighty Todd. Good to hear from you, my friend. Yes, same here. Same here. I know right now you're not in Vermont, right? You're spending some time... In uh, or on Lake Champlain, the New York side, what's it? What's it like there? Oh, it's uh, quite lovely now that the uh, the heat wave has passed. Uh, the wind has been blowing in from the northwest at a pretty good clip. There are some white caps on the bay. I am looking at the mountains of Vermont under a uh, kind of a low cloud cover that's just mostly evaporative stuff building up against the mountains. Um, but it's it's quite lovely there's not as many boats on the lake as i thought but maybe it's just because it's friday and tomorrow it'll pick up a little bit uh but but yeah i just late uh independence day holiday festivities with the extended family wonderful and and you've been doing that for years on lake champlain and uh how does that how how is uh lake champlain in your view from your experience uh americana up there in New York. Oh, well, geez, yeah, it's definitely one of the things that holds me to this place, um, and why maybe I've never strayed too too far away is that this is a it's an amazing natural wonder in its own way. I haven't been through s- the lake as a result of many geological changes, um, but in terms of Americana. It was it's pre-Americana, uh, you know, for thousands of years, the people fished and hunted around and in this lake. And uh, when Europeans first came here, one of the first settlements uh, was up on Isle Lamotte. You know, after they had gotten stuff going in uh, Quebec City and Montreal, it was the first settlement, um, and it was the crossroads for. Many of the conflicts, the political and conflicts that and uh, military conflicts that occurred 
in the formation of the country. It was a, the lake itself was a highway. Um, <clears throat> some very pivotal historical you know moments happened up here, and so um, there are a lot of old buildings. In fact, Essex is just down the road from us, and I think I read somewhere it has like one of the highest concentrations of colonial era buildings uh, in the state of New York. In terms of uh, the, there's still you know working homes and businesses that are you know actively preserving uh, the architectural heritage of of a time. Um, so, uh, yeah, I I think in a lot of ways my appreciation for the lake is fairly grand, and anytime I read into it at all, I seem to gather even more appreciation, and I feel like there's probably a whole study history study to be done just about uh, this place more so than I've just accumulated over my years picking up stuff here and there maybe that's your next book oh boy oh don't don't wish it on me <laughs> oh your first one was pretty well received wines in Vermont this one uh, I, I obviously yeah. you have a love and, and a you know a passion for uh, the Lake Champlain region you know it might be a good idea you know, I always thought someday I would love to be able to, you know, figure out a way to be an advocate for the lake because it's not without its challenges. Um, there are issues of phosphorus pollution up in Mississippi Bay, up in the northern Vermont section. Um, that's really been problematic for quite a number of years. Uh, even on this side of the lake, there have been some, you know, sewage effluent issues. Luckily, the bay that we're in is remarkably clean and deep and fairly untouched uh, so we're pretty fortunate um, to have this kind of family family location but uh, there you know there are development issues around the lake and uh, you know the economy is changing there's a lot of you know a lot of Vermont's population lives up in Chittenden County right around Burlington in close proximity to the lake so there are certain development pressures too and uh, you know I, I'm still not sure it's being adequately uh, addressed I know it's a long term conversation up here um, in terms of putting money into lake regeneration and you know anti-pollution efforts um, and I, I, I assume it's going to be going on for years I mean there are still a number of EPA guidelines that Vermont still has yet to come into compliance with of course those guidelines might go away <laughs> but but from last I heard the conversation was even if they did go away there's the the idea is that the lake is an important part of the state um, ecologically obviously but it also has a very positive economic impact on the area yeah and it's and it's a big cultural asset so um, there are many reasons why it should be. Uh, it should be protected, if not nurtured. Well, you know, you talk, talk about things relating to the environment going away, uh, regulations that would protect and, uh, you know, yeah, have the best interests of the natural environment in, in mind. But we know, and I, I think we could share about the this, uh, uh, Scott Pruitt is now ex-director you know, of the EPA. Oh, uh, yeah. Yay. What a scumbag. Sorry, but I have to get guttural. What a scumbag. Uh, I'm glad he's gone. I wonder who will take his place. Uh, you know, we should say, too, that 
we soon will be uh, broadcast on a station. It's unofficial, so I don't want to. I have to sign some paperwork. Oh, um, okay, don't. But don't uh, breaking yeah, regulations. No, I won't mention the the call letters yet. But it's a station, a community radio station out of Burlington, Vermont, and uh, they'll love this conversation. I'm sure, given that Burlington's on uh, Lake Champlain, and uh, I want to say hello to those folks, our friends, our listeners in Vermont. Um, but yeah, let's get into independence. Let's talk about that. You know, we are talking uh, right in the you know uh, at the end of Independence Day week here in the United States of America. Uh, what is independence to you? What does that mean, Almighty Todd? Oh boy, I did I did mull this over a little bit, and I was like, ah, oh, this is a, this is a big one. Um, but it's also um, you know I this is something I tend to try not to think about too much in a grand way um but more i try to think about in practical terms and um as much as we might be tempted to talk about independence and what it means to be able to have a you know right to individual individuality right to autonomy um i feel like what often gets lost when we focus on independence is the concept of interdependence because i don't think that they are uh, mutually exclusive. I think they're both two sides of the same uh, state of existence. Well, yeah. And that uh, yeah. this, the idea of total independence and that everything about my life and my success is about me and my genetics or my brains or God being on my side or whatever it is, is that it uh, there's a certain hubris in independence if taken too far that really uh, does not pay respect uh, to the fact that any independence that we do enjoy is a fruit of the interdependence that we employ. I love it. You're absolutely right. And when you're you're fighting against, in a democratic society, uh, agents of... uh, fascism, you know, of oppression, of injustice, you have to work together. You have to you have to foster interdependence to fight off those powerful entities and movements that that are in my view counter to what this American experiment is all about. Well, and again, it's like uh, this idea of independence is as a, you know, personal independence is great except that you know, somebody wiped our butt for a while and somebody's probably going to wipe our butt you know, down the road before it's all over again. Um, and so the idea of an absolute assertion of independence is on a personal level is always kind of interesting to me. I, I, you know, it's a functional thing from a nation perspective. It's, it is, you know, a declaration that needs to be made that we are no longer subjects of your governmental rule. We are either choosing another governmental rule or we're making up our own yeah england talking to Mm -hmm. england yeah yeah saying you know we're we're rewriting our contract yeah do you think our citizens uh oftentimes fellow citizens misunderstand the whole notion of independence then uh i don't know i know that you know even with my limited reading I could probably stand to learn a lot more about the uh, the originators of the nation and their uh, intentions. 
uh, something besides the Declaration itself and the Constitution, which are the, you know, the kind of like the binding documents that we work from. Um, and that's probably something I should, you know, give some time to. Maybe I need to think about my reading list for this winter. Um, in terms of delving into that, but uh, yeah, I. I I feel like it's it's independence for the most part is a brand, and it's a it's a concept that gets thrown about in in loaded political terms far too often, and not uh, really considered in practical terms. And so, you know, Fourth of July is a it's a commercial holiday more so than an observation of. Um, of uh, some something special about the democratic uh, form of organization that we've supposedly created and uh, continue to work towards the per- perfection of. Uh, so, but instead, you know, it's hot dogs and hamburgers and watch stuff get blown up, and uh, you know, try to find your dog the next day because you really left the. Off leash or forgot left the door open. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, our, our our dog's not a fan of the <laughs> not a fan of the most, holiday. Most are not. Yeah, you you bring up a good point though. A couple good points. The hubris of uh, the notion uh, regarding independence that that we have in the United States, and also as a brand, and it's certainly a brand. I mean, people sell all kinds of things under the the auspices and banner of freedom and independence uh, during this time of year. You know, cars and food and, you know, movies and, and I mean, anything you could imagine, right? And, and is that patriotic? Is, is that uh, sacrilegious, if, if that's a, the right term? Is it an insult, I guess, to, to what people have fought and died for? Um, you know, I, I think it might be. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I lately, you know, I think I'm seeing everything through fairly skewed lenses because I, I'm even seeing all advertising through this reality TV lens, which is something that I've not paid attention to for a long time because I just it turned me off of TV long ago. But now it's in our face every day, and I feel like. Uh, even the most well-meaning people right now are really wrapped up in uh, consumer culture in a way that is making it very hard for anybody to really consider uh, levels at any depth and often would rather take things on faith than actually have to engage their their faculties. Well, of course, because... Which what, I find disappointing. It, it, what, you're, what you're experiencing uh, through mainstream media and commercialization is, is um, omnipresent, you know, <laughs> which makes it seem omnipotent in its, in its message. Uh, so how do you shake that off? How do you become enlightened and free from that, you know? Well, you do have to unplug from it periodically. That's one way, but who would? You know, then you're like, uh, well, they, there's. I mean, even this is a product now. It's something that they started doing in Japan a few years ago, marketing it, and now it's come to the U.S. But it's called forest bathing, 
forest bathing. I love it. Yeah, and the idea is you just go take a walk out into the woods without any technology and go sit and look at the mosses, you know, check out the different kinds of trees, basically be silent a good portion of the time. I've been doing that for years. I love well, forest that, bathing. Well, that's it. You know, you have, it's one of those things you don't need a tour guide to teach you how to do that. But I, but it's if if that's what the antidote is to the overstimulated, overdigitized mental existence that we're uh, experiencing now, then I say go for it. Yeah, we got to reconnect. But, it's kind of like that movement back in the '60s and '70s, back to back to the land movement. That was mm-hmm. actually, you know, I think uh, in Vermont, uh, to a large extent, uh, the, the epicenter of it all. Um, sort of like we have, we have, we need another one of those, perhaps. Uh, it's happening. Uh, it's happening. I, I am seeing more young people that are just choosing not to do, or they spend a few years in a city somewhere, and they're moving up this way, and they're starting small farms, and you know, they're not having huge aspirations about making huge amounts of money but they want to be able to make a living and feel good about what they're doing um you know whether they'll be sustainable or not i'm still not clear you know but i think everybody's trying as hard as they can but they are trying to take on that kind of a a a lifestyle change because if there's in the real world right now if there is any kind of independence it is the ability to be in the world without being led around by the the stimulations of the world. You have that choice. You're saying more, more so, maybe now than in the past, or just generally. Oh, you, oh, you have less choice about it now. So you got to work double hard on knowing that you always have the choice. the cho- The choice is there, but whether you were cognizant of it um, and utilize it as a guidance tool is a whole different story. And is that why it's doubly hard? Because we're so again, as we mentioned a few moments ago. Uh, immersed in this this uh, uh, mass consumeristic sort of mentality and always connected digitally mentality. Yeah, well, I mean, they're finally from a mental health perspective, they're finally starting to classify or starting, you know, beginning to classify uh, gaming addictions and phone addictions because people are not prepared or they don't know how to deal with the biochemical responses that we're getting from engaging in these activities um, and you know riding these dopamine highs uh, that are associated with it and just you know culturally we don't have a way to deal with it usually in traditional cultures you know you would have certain festivals and dances and things like that that would allow people to attain that kind of a state but it was inside of a social construct and now it's kind of like it's it's complete free-for-all in terms of how you can trigger that system and uh it i think it causes a detachment from reality or you know from everybody else's reality but creates a new one internally but there's it it may be instant in independent in terms of its isolation in terms of reality but it's uh it's not independent it's it's become reliant on uh this stimulation system it's that keeps it going so it's so it's almost like there's a it's being uh there's a parasitic effect 
It's the Matrix, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of. Except we're choosing to go into the pods. Right. Well, we don't realize, though. We don't realize. You know? We don't realize well, and that, we lost. Well, and that's where you and I are... We're getting to be old guys. We are. We're that bridge... Getting to be that, we're that bridge generation that remembers the time before the internet, right? It's and, weird. and after, it's weird. I find and myself telling the fact people that you have to teach kids to go play with a ball out in the yard, right? Is you know, but we see both sides of it. So in that sense, maybe the choice is inherently built in. Whereas the younger generations, they're being built, they're being born into the pods, right? Right. And the question is, is is it is something we're going to do as to teach people that there there is an independent life outside of the pod beautifully put you are listening to troubadours and rock on tours with ew conundrum demure on radio free brooklyn by the way ladies and gentlemen if you uh haven't figured it out just tuned in we are talking with our regular contributor here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, our resident philosopher, farmer, and winemaker out of Stockbridge, Vermont, the almighty Todd. And uh, right now he's with some family members uh, on Lake Champlain, celebrating our independence here in the United States, the New York side of Lake Champlain, that is. Um, so let's, you know, we're kind of leading up to this. Um, humility. You mentioned it a couple of times when you were talking about what independence means. You know, you talked about hubris, which I guess you could say is an antonym. Uh, what about humility? How important is that? What is humility? Oh, that's this is also a good one. Um, humility. There's not enough of it. Uh, I've been thinking about trying to come up with like a cartoon or something, but that shows this the spectrum, you know, like the social media uh, engagement spectrum where there's like simple sharing on one end, and then you're going to like uh, like brand recognition, and then you're going to like content creation, and then you get all the way to like outright attention whoring. Uh, but that there's this spectrum on which we're being pulled in where it's it's to always engage, always show off something cool that you're doing, uh, somehow show that you're doing well, and again, there's like a dopamine hit for all each of the likes you get for that kind of a position taking, but that's really kind of like a short-term high that you get. This, the thing about humility is being able to accomplish things, uh, particularly in a ways that help not just others, but uh, are altruistic in a, in a greater sense. And to not always need the recognition for it, but to take a reward in the betterment of one's own character in the course of doing it. I mean, there's still a certain humility can get taken so far that it's arrogant. 
because you like you really won't talk about all of the money that you give to to these uh, you know foundations or whatever, um, which is like the opposite side of the humble brag. Right. Opposite. You know side what the humble brag? Go ahead. You what know what the humble brag? The, the humble brag. I, it's it's funny. It's come up a few times in the last year or two, but it's this idea of you saying, you know, being self-deprecating, but at the same time touting your your pride. Right. Like, uh, oh my God, I spilled my I spilled my wine all over my new book contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was was one I saw. Quote. I was like, yeah, I, I get that. That's. Um, but yeah, so then the other side is to be overly, you know, aloof when in fact somebody's trying to recognize something you've done and and be, you know, be thankful for it and be you know wanting to offer for acknowledgement overly overly but, aloof uh, overly aloof though that wouldn't be humility right because that in its own way is gaining tension attention to yourself the humble you know the, the humble one person walks through the world quietly and leaves maybe very few footprints but flowers grow in its path you know, this is, I think the idea is that the the power of humility is that the goodness that comes from the humble person has wider proceeds that maybe no one will ever know. Where it comes why, from. Where it comes from. But that things are a little bit better because of it. Um, you know, not needing to, there's a, there's, you know, one passage i i don't i can't quote my bible chapter and verse but um in terms of jesus saying that um you know when you want to pray you do it in private and do it between you and the lord don't do it on the street corner there are those people that will pray in the street corner but they're they've they've already been rewarded. Yeah, they're trying to spread you know, the message of God in their in their mind. They're doing trying well, to do the or, work or of God. Well, or they want to be recognized for their piety. Right, and that's not human. Whereas yeah. you don't need to do that. Do it yourself. You'll be rewarded later on. But why do you True. need a re- why do you, is it always about a reward? Oh no, it's not. No, it's totally not about reward. Um, but the humility is the not needing the reward. Right, right, right. Exactly. So do you think humility and humbleness are tied? They're the same thing or mm-hmm. yeah? Yeah. Right. I always found I'm you know there are nuances there. I'm not sure. I know they're they're definitely linked, but are they I mean are they They are. I don't know if I, I don't know how I if I I'm not prepared to linguistically pick them apart. Um but yeah, I'd say they're they're both in the same in the same vein. Like are, are all people that have humility humble and all all humble people, do they showcase humility? Uh, or is it more like, you know, every every uh, square is a rectangle, but not every rectangle is a square, you know? Oh, jeez, now you're going <laughs> to geometry. <laughs> I did Sorry. pass geometry. No, I, I passed geometry. I should be able to handle that a little bit. But I, hear no, a, I, I hear a dryer in the background. Is your dryer going off every once in a while? Is it still going? Yeah. yeah, every once in a while, it's kind of nice. It brings it down. Yeah, yeah. Feel. I'm down in my I'm down in my parents' uh, the basement. 
That's excellent. I don't like Champlain. I love it. Drying off some clothes, uh, maybe maybe bathing suits, bathing suits and stuff. That's wonderful. Uh, we're talking to Almighty Todd. We have a few minutes left. I uh, so humility, humbleness, and um, now we're going to. Well, we we talked about independence too. Uh, let's let's get into Nirvana. What is Nirvana? Is, have you found Nirvana? Is Nirvana there at Lake Champlain right now? Uh, mm, well, it depends on. By I'd say maybe by the technical term, no. Um, because now, I've I've done some Eastern philosophy. The Indian traditions are not my strong suit, but uh, Nirvana is a state. It's it's a very high state. Of enlightenment. Of enlightenment. Well, what it is is that it's the it, it means to blow out or to extinguish. And it's blowing out three fires, which are passion, aversion, and ignorance. And uh, I'd say that there's no aversion and ignorance up here, but there's still some passion. So I can't say I'm going to ever, ever attain a state of nirvana here because of the passion that you feel because of the passion yeah yeah i think you're yeah, dr- I'm you- still too i'm still too earthly bound and i can hear you're dr- you're drinking some of the passion fruit up there too you're drinking some uh, wine while we're talking yes i am i'm trying it's actually a uh it's a rosé from vermont over at my friends at lincoln peak vineyard and it is their starlight and it's a dry rosé of frontenac gris I believe. That's, that's my call. That's great. That's, that's just an aside. Sorry. Um, no, yeah, I like it. Well, you I, can it's, see. it's much more easy for me to talk about local wine than it is about uh, Nirvana. Nirvana. <laughs> but, yeah, you getting a little kickback. Well, the interesting thing is that the no, I don't get a kickback <laughs> to mention the winery. You know, no. send me a case of, of wine and we're we're good. All right. Yeah. Then I have to send some to Pacifica Network and a few bottles to Radio Free Brooklyn and WFTE as well so that they don't question anything, all right? So we make it two cases of wine. Okay. I'll talk to them. I'll see what we can do. <laughs> uh, just kidding, by the way, FCC. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, the, the interesting thing about Nirvana is that that's the, this is the highest level. This is the place where you're released from the cycle of life. You're you're actually relief released from the the wheel of karma and of reincarnation, and you move on into another realm. Now, this is where this depends on what part of Buddhism you you go to. I mean, it's like this is the place where I guess in the Indian the Theravada tradition, um, this is the stage where you you check out. Um, but in the Mahayatma or excuse me, Mahayana tradition, it's where you may achieve the state, but a true Buddha goes back into the world and He's, helps better humanity. So when you say opposed, check out, you, you mean die physically? Uh, well, you know, you, you, you are no longer, your soul, you're no longer, spirits no longer trapped in the cycle of re- reincarnation when you die. You are now, you've achieved, uh, a level of non-embodiment. And that's good. I guess so, yeah. 
in that tradition. I mean, in other traditions, like ones we have to deal with more often than people court the end of the world because they're tired of trying to figure out how to navigate this one. Well, that's, yeah, Christianity, and I think it's limited as compared to Buddhism myself. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I, I think you've helped me be released into another realm, and, I'm, uh, and, and it's one of enlightenment, and I, I appreciate it, Almighty Todd. I, we're going to have to uh, leave it at that for this go-around. Um, so wonderful to talk with you, as always. Regular contributor here to uh, our program, Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Almighty Todd, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy your time with family and friends up there on Lake Champlain, and we'll be talking with you again soon. You have a great one. My best to you and the fam. Take it easy, brother. You too. Thank you, brother. Ciao. Ciao. Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty Sound of their breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Lower the curtain down Lower the curtain down on right I got no time for private consultation Under the Milky Way tonight Wish I knew what you were looking for
excerpt from Alex de Tocqueville's Democracy in America, first published in 1835. This is from part one, and the excerpt is under the title, Effects of the Tyranny of the Majority Upon the National Character of the Americans. The tendencies which I have just mentioned are as yet but slightly perceptible in political society, but they already exercise an unfavorable influence upon the national character of the Americans. I attribute the small number of distinguished men in political life to the ever-increasing despotism of the majority in the United States. When the American Revolution broke out, they arose in great numbers, for public opinion then served not to tyrannize over, but to direct the exertions of individuals. Those celebrated men, sharing the agitation of mind common at that period, had a grandeur peculiar to themselves, which was reflected back upon the nations, but was by no means borrowed from it. In absolute governments, the great nobles who are nearest to the throne flatter the passions of the sovereign and voluntarily truckle to his caprices. But the mass of the nation does not degrade itself by servitude. It often submits from weakness from habit or from ignorance and sometimes from loyalty. Some nations have been known to sacrifice their own desires to those of the sovereign with pleasure and pride, thus exhibiting a sort of independence of mind in the very act of submission. These nations are miserable, but they are not degraded. There is a great difference between doing what one does not approve and feigning to approve what one does. The one is the weakness of a feeble person, and the other befits the temper of a lackey. In free countries where everyone is more or less called upon to give his opinion on affairs of state, in democratic republics, where public life is incessantly mingled with domestic affairs, where the sovereign authority is accessible on every side, and where its attention can always be attracted by vociferation, more persons are to be met with who speculate upon its weaknesses and live upon ministering to its passions than in absolute monarchies. Not because men are naturally worse in these states than elsewhere, but the temptation is stronger and of easier access at the same time. The result is a more extensive debasement of character. Democratic republics extend the practice of currying favor with the many and introduce it into all classes at once. This is the most serious reproach that can be addressed to them. This is especially true in democratic states organized like the American republics, where the power of the majority is so absolute and irresistible that one must give up his rights as a citizen and almost abjure his qualities as a man if he intends to stray from the track which it prescribes. In that immense crowd which throngs the avenues to power in the United States, I found very few men who displays that manly candor and masculine independence of opinion which frequently distinguished the Americans in former times, and which constitutes the leading feature in distinguished characters wheresoever they may be found. It seems at first sight as if all the minds of the Americans were formed upon one model, so accurately do they follow the same route. A stranger does indeed sometimes meet with Americans who dissent from the rigor of these formularies, 
with men who deplore the defects of the laws, the mutability and the ignorance of democracy, who even go so far as to observe the evil tendencies which impair the national character and to point out such remedies as it might be possible to apply. But no one is there to hear them except yourself. And you, to whom these secret reflections are confided, are a stranger and a bird of passage. They are very ready to communicate truths which are useless to you, but they hold a different language in public. I seem to recognize your face Haunting, familiar, yeah I can't seem to place it Cannot find the candle of thought To light your name Lifetimes are catching up with me I'd seen the place, but no one's ever taken me. Hearts and thoughts, they fade, fade away. Hearts and thoughts, they fade, fade away. I swear I recognize. Memories like fingerprints are slowly raising me. You wouldn't recall, or I'm not my father. It's hard when you're stuck upon the shelf. By not changing at all Small town predicts my fate Perhaps that's what no one wants to see I just wanna scream Hello Sweet Tiger Eyes A boy wonders what his place is in this world. 
so earnest, so trusting, so sensitive. As individuals four, five, six times his physical age have a more practical, if not cynical, view of personal position, the boy, the young, old soul sage, must prevail.
And there you have it, episode 279 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our regular contributor and resident philosopher, Almighty Todd. I also would like to thank Alexis de Tocqueville and these musical artists. Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Nellie Mackay, King Tuff, The Church, Pearl Jam, The Grateful Dead, Brantford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard, too. Until next week, enjoy this one. Thanks for listening.